And hello there. You alright? <laughs> and welcome to episode four of the Punch Drunk Boxing Podcast with my good self, Gareth Moakler, and my friend, good friend, Richard Mills. Why do you always roll the R's when you say my name? <laughs> so, uh, I've been meaning to bring that up. That's four episodes in a row. And uh, so, yeah, you're here with two uh, big boxing fans who like boxing and like talking nonsense. So um, what we do, we'll run over like the... Last uh, run of the box news that's come up in the last couple of weeks, and then preview the fight and other bits okay. of analysis that we can find midway through. All right. Well, let's just uh, we'll start off with um, cracking on with a bit of boxing news. Yeah. So what's the uh, big one the last couple of weeks? David Hay, unfortunately, the big dog of got, uh, the heavyweight division. He's got another injury, hasn't he? Would you go as far as to say the most electrifying man in the heavyweight division? No, Derek Chisora is not We have to keep going over this every episode, do we? Um, unfortunately, yeah, he's um, no, pulled he's... up injured with a... Yeah. What, what what was the injury? I don't know, actually. Yeah, I didn't hear. Maybe he hurt his... I'll guess. I'll say he hurt his foot. Again. <laughs> <laughs> no, his toe. Might have been a different toe. A bit of a nightmare. So uh, anyway, his fight against was going to be uh, against a fellow called Char. Char. Manuel Char. Yeah, and unfortunately that one's off. So uh, bad news for David. And us. And us, obviously, because we're big fans. <clears throat> Uh, what else? Uh, Sugar Shane. Sugar Shane Mosley. Oh, yeah. Won was... on his uh, comeback against uh, little-known Pablo Cesar Cano. Yeah. 12-round welterweight division. I, saw a bit, I didn't see all of the fight, but I saw some of it. And he looked, he looked pretty He looked good. He looked better than I thought he would. Did he look Shane. like a 41-year-old man? He should probably uh, no. stop boxing. No. I, do you know what? He almost looked... But I mean, I'm, I'm not sure about the, the quality of his the opposition. Um but no, he looked he looked all right. I don't think he he didn't show signs that made me think, God, he just shouldn't. Be <laughs> Whereas when I saw him against Alvarez the fight before, I kind of couldn't help but feel maybe oh, the time is over. When he fought Pacquiao and oh. touched his gloves after literally every single round, which infuriates. Oh, he still women. does that. <laughs> <laughs> he still loves touching everybody's gloves at the he end. Must be the nicest man yeah, in boxing. I I don't mind it. I mean, yeah. Oh, no. uh, you, you wouldn't want it in every fight, but God, you make an exception for him in that one. Um, also, Derek Chisora, as we were talking about, his fight with Wilder is in doubt, isn't it? I think there's something about something about Deontay Wilder's not being allowed to travel to the UK for, for legal what? problems. Apparently, there's an alleged domestic violence charge. Oh, yeah. Is there any boxer who doesn't have alleged? There's a lot going around, isn't there? <laughs> there's a lot of alleged domestic violence. I don't know. It's um, what do you think? Well, I, 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 I don't know him, <laughs> so I can't comment. I'm, I'm not part of the, uh, the, the jury, so I haven't, I haven't like, had any evidence other than... Um, he does like punching people. So oh, yeah. Wouldn't be out of the order I mean, if he was... He's, he, he sure did like, uh, yeah. He does <laughs> punch like... Nortley Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> that was almost uh, like beating a woman. We, we'll get back onto that, but I'm just going to throw it out there now. Audley Harrison is saying he's taking a U-turn on his announced retirement. The man is coming back, people. That's what we wanted to hear. Big A-Force. We were scared, for, we were scared for a fortnight that he was going to yeah, pack it in. Stay. I, I think he might have heard your advice on the last show when you told him he's got another good five or six fights in him, as long as he always goes down in the first round. <laughs> that is, I mean... That was good advice. <laughs> don't stay in there taking punishment round after round. You end up. I guess it right. On the uh, domestic uh, violence thing, I read an article in the Independent, you can still find it, it was there about two weeks ago, and the headline was, Why is this acceptable? And it was talking about uh, Floyd Mayweather up against uh, Roberto Guerrero, and it was in the women's section of the Independent, and the point the writer made is, this, talking about Floyd, he's just been done for domestic violence, 
served three months in prison, had his jail sentence delayed for a couple of weeks, so before he went into prison in the first place, so they could earn more yeah, money in Las Vegas. Yeah. He comes out, has this amazing performance, and the only thing that's talked about was the fact that Floyd is back to his best, and there was no mention that this guy had just been serving three months for like a horrific crime. Now, let me make this point, because there's a lot of that article I completely disagreed with. She ended the article, began and ended with the same sentence of, how is this acceptable? I'd make the point that we have he's a legal system time, that says... Exactly, well, that's what it is. Would you suggest <coughs> that, because of the, his crime was um, inflicted violence against a woman, how is that worse if that guy... I'm six foot two and about 15 stone. It would make no difference if Floyd was fighting me or fighting his girlfriend. Either way, neither of us stand doesn't, a chance. Doesn't make a bit. How, how does it make? If, if me fighting him would be the exact same, it's like a child fighting him. Just, he can beat just, the shit out of either mm, one of us if you wanted to. No, but there's certain things within society. There are certain boundaries, and there is a difference. I know what you mean. It still doesn't make it acceptable. If he'd done it to a man, you're right. There wouldn't be any of this fuss. It would just be yeah. forgotten about. It's like, oh well, you know, guys are guys. Blah blah blah. Having a bit of a ruck. I'll, put, I'll definitely put it this way. I don't think the article would have been written if that was a violence charge against another guy. No, it wouldn't have. You're right. And so, uh, Sexist writer with the Independent in the woman section. Mm, it was written by a woman, but nonetheless, it was... Uh, well, I don't know. That is, is quite a bad thing. But I would also add that I, it wasn't as clear-cut as that, was it? Mayweather, I don't know all of the details. No. But I'm sure it was something like... There was... Somebody else was pressing the charge. Even his wife or whatever dropped it. And in order for it to... In order for the case to be dropped fully or something, mm-hmm. like, didn't his kids had to appear in court and testify? And okay. Mayweather said, "I'm not. <clears throat> I don't want to put my kids through this. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to have that. So I'm just going to plead guilty and take S- serve the time. Yeah, maybe take one. Which Again, is, probably have... I'm not saying that that condones <laughs> it because there probably was something there. And he's but." If you serve your time and come out, what the fuck? What? What? He's never allowed to box again? He's that would just be gonna... the point I'd make. And whether or not he should be, re- every time you mention his name, should we reference the fact that he was. Yeah. There was some domestic dispute of. Right, he was. He pleaded guilty, should. so. We should we'll say start he's... every. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Floyd Mayweather, brackets, domestic. Uh, yeah, wife beater. Uh, yeah. It's not that equivalent. No, no, of course not. It's ridiculous. It... So people do wrong things all the time, and, you know. What? Again, it's, it's a horrific crime, and he was punished for it. But, again, to. I seem to be that unless I misread that article I'd that her point was yeah. that should be mentioned every time his name is brought up which yeah, again I would kind of <laughs> I would be it's... willing to do I'm just saying, but <laughs> anyway I've got other news that doesn't involve being um, women yeah <laughs> laugh Ro- Roberto Guerrero I'll just add that on yeah. he, he got uh, charged for uh, a firearm uh, having a firearm when he flew into I think it was New York I think really? what it was was his home state which he lives in yeah. um, you're allowed to carry an un, like basically a uh, yeah, a, a non concealed a, firearm. Well, yeah, a fire. He had it in a box. It was in a locked safety box of a combination. wasn't loaded. Yeah. All these things, and it's within the law where he is. But it, call it neg- negligence. Yeah. And he flew off to another state. They found it on him. Boom, arrested. He ended up. He got charged. He, he pleaded guilty. He said, "Look, I just I was being a bit yeah. silly. Didn't know." And he's going to do community service. Yeah. Community is, service had a <laughs> had a lose against. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that'd be quite that'd be he'd be have a lot of practice <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right um yeah uh let's just quickly talk about um bernard hopkins as well he's announced to fight he's gonna fight uh oh, who? Murat. oh Murat? okay yeah. yeah he's announced that fight which should be not bad i think he should have the tools to get it done even at 48 oh, I um, and he's also said that he's looking forward he'd like a fight with carl froch and that he's willing yeah. to come over to the uk that would be that would absolutely be great, fantastic. And Frotch said he'd be up for that. But yeah. Two people who were just 
I don't know how to best describe it. Carl Frosch is some of the worst public relations I've ever seen. Or <laughs> and any human being. one of the slickest talkers. A personal favourite for I me. I can absolutely guarantee you that uh, Hopkins would come over here and within about a week and a half the public would just fall in love with him. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, he's already got go, me. God, I hope he beats Carl Frosch. I'd love Carl Frosch. Do you but... know what I'd love? I'd hope that um, someone's waving a Union Jack around next to him and he just picks it up and fucks it. Sparks a mass right like he did it with his uh, fight against Trinidad. <laughs> Literally, I've never seen. Just threw the Puerto Rican flag to the floor and about a hundred Puerto Ricans <laughs> stormed the plane. You just see him bolt over a fence. You can, you don't see his face, but you know he's smiling. He's running away. <laughs> just a mass right running for his life. That's Absolutely funny. fantastic. Oh, and um, I read somewhere that Chris uh, Eubank Jr. wants to fight Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> really? Yeah, he wants to gain revenge uh, for Roy Jones ducking his dad for all those years. <laughs> Quite so. And he said, once he's done with that, it's just where I read. Yeah. You know, I don't know how true it is, but he said he then he wants to fight um, Nigel Ben. <laughs> Put an end to the whole Eubank Ben uh, debate that's been raging. I would um, genuinely watch that, I'd say. Well, so would I. Watch an and also, Frank Bruno said he's, um, said he's up for it. He said he'll be there supporting Nigel <laughs> in the background. <laughs> he's got a suit for it and everything, so. That is an obscure <laughs> reference. If no one gets that reference, go back and watch the Nigel Ben, Gerald McClellan match. Ah. And just look it up on YouTube and you'll see Frank Bruno in one of the most fantastic Deglo orange suits <laughs> just sitting in the background, standing up every two seconds. Go on, Nigel. It's, go almost, on, it's almost better than the fight. Just watching you. Just watching. Uh, just watching old um, <laughs> Frank. Frank losing block. Frank Bruno at the back. Every time a punch lands, I've never seen a man like that happen. <laughs> it's no wonder he won that fight with that guy in your corner. <laughs> Unstoppable. Um, but yeah, okay. Uh, any any other news? You Not got? for me, I have to say. No. No. Okay. Who are you thinking? Um, there's a couple of rumored fights. I think they're talking about Alvarez v Cotto. Nice. That's quite strong. You think that's nice? I, I think well, that should have happened like a year ago. It's. I don't think Koto's heart's in it. I would have had that really. one before just he came up against Mayweather. No, not against Mayweather. Before he came up in uh, the last Trout. fight against Trey. I thought Carter would have been before. a better. Well, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I do, but I also think Alvarez that... lost against <clears throat> Trey. He didn't, but I thought he did. So no, well, I thought Carter would have been a better. He didn't. Um, I'll put it this way: Carter's got definitely as one last fight in him. A payday. He's got a payday. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. I don't think he's been out. I think if he'd fought before, he'd fought Mayweather. I mm-hmm. think he he it would have been a proper fifty fifty. He might even have been a very very slight favourite. Floyd didn't put like a big. Then bad again, it's, on him I mean, I think I don't think Kai's heart's in it anymore. You just when you hear him interviewed and things, talks about his family and how he's not willing to take the punish little oh, really? things yeah. little things you pick up on and you just think coming in with Alvarez then again the old Puerto Rican Mexican rivalry and those guys <laughs> kick off you, you never know never want to hold anything that would because, be one of the biggest fights and then they got it in New York with all them Puerto Ricans that's true get yeah. Bernard to give Alvarez some advice <laughs> about how to really get the Mexican fans behind you the minute you see a flag mate just, just... spit on it and throw it on the floor but I think there's a good three or four clips on YouTube separate occasions yeah. where uh, Bernard Hopkins in the run up to the, the Trinidad fight where he'd grab a flag like, <laughs> not only Don King standing there with two Puerto Rican flags and Bernard would just snatch it lightning fast throw it to the ground I think it was like the third or fourth time he did it at this press conference that was the final straw remember the look on on Trinidad's face the first time he did it was just like oh oh please tell me you did not just do that <laughs> they do love a flag don't they I do I love a bit of a American unnecessary country. national pride they love pride. a flag yeah 
But um, okay, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's. that's, Oh, oh, hang on. Wait. There is one more I want to talk about. Um, Mike. If anybody, I don't know, people have maybe already heard about this. Mike Tyson has been announced that he's going to start... A friend of the own, show, Mike Tyson. Oh, a friend of the show. He's off and on, often got him on. Um, <clears throat> he's announced that he's uh, going to be starring in a, a a cartoon where he's going to play a detective. How is that? i got to say... <laughs> a detective. Adult Swim. Apparently, adult, I've never heard of it. Some American it. thing, but it's going to be a new animated series called The Mike Tyson Mysteries, where the ex-fighter uh, will play a detective with his... Uh, Apparently, it's, it's quoted as a foul-mouthed dove sidekick. <laughs> which is... Right itself. I, I mean, say. I would have thought a pigeon. When they say dove, they mean pigeon, right? Uh, I've got to say, when you uh, emailed me that during the week, yeah. I came back and said, all right, that's the greatest idea for a TV show since the Father Downing Mysteries. Yeah, I've never heard of that. I, <laughs> if anyone's sitting at home and does know what this like is... Father Ted. The dad from Happy Days <laughs> plays a priest... Who solve crime, and I'm not joking, with a wise cracking non psychic partner. That is fantastic. The dad from Happy Days. <laughs> it was genuinely one of the greatest television shows, one of the greatest experiences of my life. Still? They used to show it on like, the BBC maybe about three years ago. Really? If you stay in on like a Saturday afternoon about two o'clock, Father Dowling Mystery, just look it up on YouTube. It's oh, fantastic. I'm definitely going to check it out. It's really. A, a sidekick nun. A wise cracking nun. She's really small and kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Genuine proper uh, television. Was that eighties? Yeah, it must have been the eighties. That is eighties mm. written all over. Papa Cunningham <laughs> for all you happy days fans out there. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Oh, yeah, that was brilliant. Oh, and uh, <clears throat> I've also heard that Evander Holyfield might star in it as well. In what? The father of death? <laughs> <laughs> no, in the Mike Tyson uh, really? mysteries. Yeah, apparently he might play an evil goat character who terrorizes people uh, with vicious headbutts. <laughs> <laughs> um, genuinely as they show the kind of rights itself yeah. so. I mean I'm not 100% sure about that last bit <laughs> I mean I, I might have dreamt that bit but, um, outside of that outside of that I think it's, they, if, it hasn't been made yet so if anybody's listening out there who works on that show get Evander involved uh, might he can, you can also stumble um, over his words slightly with him oh yeah there's a, a lot of mumbling you, but, um, you might want to get someone to impersonate him <laughs> which would be slightly slightly what a bit unfair to Vander, I'm just like... Uh, it's just for everybody. Really, <laughs> anyway. All right, last bit, last bit of news is yep. um, I read a little bit of an interview um, with uh, uh, another... Well, he's not a friend of the show, but we do like talking about him. Freddie Roach. Oh, yeah. Eyeballing... Eyeball... Eyeball biting... Biting... Was it... Trainer of the year, five-time trainer of the year. Did he bite it out of that guy's head? So or? that's what the story told. You can't bite an eyeball out. He... No, that was like the details that he gave you. Eyelashes in his teeth was the oh, uh, yeah, quote that you're I remember. Right, yeah. yeah, I don't think that's. I mean, we're gonna have to go back onto that, but that is that is. I'll find the uh, article. Yeah, get the article and we can post it up on our <clears throat> on our page. Anyway, anyway, he was quizzed about what he thought about the. I'll keep this short and sweet about the Bradley um, Marquez fight. Yeah. Um, and do you want to hear what his response was? Hell yeah. Quote: Who cares? Who fucking cares? <laughs> Come on, give me a fucking break. Marquez picks him instead of Pacquiao? Question mark. He's got no balls. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hell of a statement. That's a hell of a quote I mean, right that's, there. that's a bitter man. And do you know what? I have to stand up for Marquez in this because, all right, yeah, Manny did keep giving him rematches, but yeah. there's a pretty good reason. He had to keep giving him rematches because all the decisions were dubious as hell. Oh, I think that's true. I mean, I, think so. I mean, yeah, all right, he didn't have to, but 
you kind of can't blame Marquez for not wanting to fight Pacquiao. I, I, you give, you give. He's already displayed the skills and the style that has caused Manny a serious problems, a lot of problems. He's he's so much older than Manny now. Not mm-hmm. that that's really a factor, but plus his first three fights, he got pretty badly stung, I think, on the decision. Mm-hmm. And when I mean, he finally went. To and when he to... finally knocks the guy out in the fourth round, I mean, why does he really want to stick his neck out on the line? With it's not really any. What rewards does he get out of it? Well, than, apart from just adding another I know, classic but, to yeah, but one of the greatest rivalries in boxing. Yeah, but why not just have a couple of other fights and then have it test out with somebody else? You know, it's not oh, like I, I Manny. I... Manny gave him those rematches immediately. Yeah, every time. I mean, I mean, the Marquez Bradley one does <laughs> sound like a fantastic fight. I think that would be a great fight. And for me, as yep. a viewer, I'm yep. more interested in seeing that right now, and the other one will come about. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll that wrap it up for the news. Yeah, that wraps it up. All right, all right, we're back. We're gonna we're gonna have a quick look at the reviews, but first, I just want to introduce um, somebody to the show. He's already been show. on, friend of the show, and a future regular guest. Um, it is Pete Portugal. Oh, there we go, Pete. Go How you doing, mate? Yeah, very good, man. Very good. I'm uh, I'm sorry I haven't been here for a few weeks. That's all right, uh, mate. Been keeping busy. Yeah, but, uh, well, that's good. I've got a couple of uh, interesting uh, tidbits to uh, to crack on later in the show. For Excellent. your for your two minute rant, Pete two, Portugal's yeah. two minute rant. Bit of a rant, bit of a uh, topical uh, oh, okay. conversation. Changing well. up, so, uh, changing up. I think you'll be, uh, be pleasantly surprised and interesting. I'm right? hoping you're going <laughs> to drop something in there about flotation tanks, <laughs> which is <laughs> where I've been for the last two weeks. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't the topic of conversation. <laughs> we went uh, to one a week ago, and if, for anyone who hasn't been. A flotation tank, so it's like getting in a I coffin that's soundproof, and it's just one of the best hours you can spend. It's like yeah. a big coffin. It's like uh, I did at one point think I was going to wake up in space and be an Aliens 4 or something. It is you very know, like much. Time capsule. <laughs> it freaked me out a little bit. But, uh, I have to say, of all the alien films you're going to wake up in, don't wake up in Alien 4. <laughs> don't wake up in Alien 4, man. I had a big crush on uh, Winona Ryder, so that's probably really? what, uh, somehow wormed its way in there. She's never a big fan a... of her. Is she still doing her uh, shoplifting? Loves oh. it. <laughs> Let me just interrupt for a second and just say on um, women to fancy. If I found this out yesterday, if anyone who doesn't up... know, Mikhail Kessler, you're going to talk about later in the show. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I don't want to bring this in. I just see your email. No, I just don't want to talk about <laughs> yeah, that. Listen. I ain't the start of the show. We're not going to be. For anyone who no, doesn't know, is... for anyone who doesn't know this, type in oh, Lindsay Kessler, L I N S E, and have a look at uh, yeah, Mikhail Kessler's sister. It is. Whoa. That is that's an interesting woman. Up against Carl's up against Carl's wife. She's a bit oh, interesting no. myself. I mean, this woman is a adult film not an adult film star, an adult model, we'll say, with gigantic inflated breasts. Yeah, but they're all like, like creepy. That. She kinda looks like who's the one who was married to um, um mate, this is a boxing podcast. I don't know, not but, fucking yeah, he's magazine. Have you been to Copenhagen? They're all like that, that's the thing. No, no, no one looks like other than Jackie Stallone. Sylvester <laughs> <laughs> Stallone's mum. This ain't the way I want to be Stop going in. This isn't celebrity one. gossip week. This is a boxing just podcast. Just drop it in there, just look what, up on Just there, insulting Google. professional boxers. I'm not insulting family her. Some people like that. Oh, it's not my, not to my taste. She's a fine, I'm sure she's a nice person. Anyway, what are we... Uh... Fucking hell, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Derailed the show. <laughs> just as well we're early on in this and no... Anyway. <laughs> Bring it back, yeah. All right, that's a bit of a sidetrack. I can't yeah. remember what we were talking about before that. Flotation tanks. Haven't been, but I'll bear I'll that in mind. Give it, give it a crack. It's definitely good. Right. Highly recommended. <clears throat> okay. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to get into Pete Portugal's uh, two-minute round later on in the show, but um, at the moment we're going to have a look at the, so the um, reviews. Yeah. Um, the just before we go into that, I want to raise a bit of a 
I'm still slightly concerned that we are yet to have received anything from San Miguel. <laughs> right? In terms of sponsorship. That's three... Plug, is it three times we've Three episodes. Them? Yeah. We definitely plugged them on every show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with San Miguel, mate, you're still coming up fucking short, aren't you? We gave you a lovely little plug and we still haven't got that four-pack. <laughs> and what? as a result, yeah, just to give a couple of little fingers up to you, I'm not, I'm not saying you're never going to be our sponsor of the show, but this week's sponsor is no longer San Miguel. It is... Um, it's Sainsbury's uh, House Red Wine. <laughs> cheap. It's pretty cheap and uh, it don't taste that great. But How much was that particular bottle of red wine that you were uh, drinking there? I, I don't know. Uh, was it three ninety nine? Three ninety nine. Could have been. Could have been three ninety nine. They don't have the show, but it's. Um, there we go. Yeah. Anyway. So um, on Saturday, the 27th of April, there was the, in the lightweight division for Ricky Burns versus uh, Jose Gonzalez for uh, Burns' WBO title, fighting in Glasgow. My thoughts? Oh, yeah. wow. I have to say, first of all, first I'm only up, congratulations to Ricky. Mm-hmm. Well done, my son. Showed signs of a, I thought, of a true champion in the mm-hmm. sense that he dug deep at a crucial time and he got the result. But I have to say, the retirement by Gonzalez was a little bizarre to say the least. A little bit strange. There's um, um I read a, a book by uh, Mickey Doff, the promoter. I read his autobiography. It's absolutely terrible. Don't bother. But um there's a quote in there from uh, John Conte and is he's he talked about when he goes like really deep into fights. Yeah. And when it gets real tough and he described it as like a, a long dark corridor with no end. That was his description for those long championship rounds. Yeah, didn't it? And uh, Gonzalez clearly decided to fuck this. Well, I, don't like, I don't like dark spaces <laughs> without any light. Because um, anyone who hasn't seen it, Gonzalez was coming into this fight as a bit of an underdog. A big underdog. Big and he's fighting Ricky in his home hometown, wasn't he? It was um, up in Glasgow. Yeah. And uh, for the first. Basically, for the first eight rounds, it was pretty much seven. Seven rounds was, was totally one side. All Gonzalez, just guns out, and out working boxing. him out boxing, really, really impressive. I was for a guy. I looked at his record un, before, yeah. And he like hadn't. I heard this on the Steve Bond show. He hadn't fought anyone like the top fifty lightweights in the world, no. which is absolutely amazing, I have to say. And to yeah. be a number one contender and that good. And um, anyway, came up to round seven. Gonzalez completely dominating, and then. Rounds eight and nine, Burns took over, and then Gonzalez just didn't come out for I mean, ten. I, I would go as far. I haven't seen a boxer punch himself out that badly since Angulo fought Kirkland. I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure if you ever saw that fight. But, well, I'd say he, he, the weird thing for me was, okay, if, if you haven't seen the fight, basically Gonzalez clearly injured his right hand, wasn't it? He so injured his big, yeah. yeah, right hand. And, um, you know, you could, you could see he was starting to tire. Round eight, the, the momentum shifted in a big way. Ricky was coming on. He was yeah. coming in. But it was still... It wasn't like dominate. It didn't look like he was particularly hurting Gonzalez. Oh, I didn't think he was really doing much no, damage to I Gonzalez mean, at it, all. I thought, I thought Ricky won rounds eight and nine. Absolutely. But it, there wasn't much in it. Gonzalez was still keeping his distance. He mm-hmm. was... He was only really using the jab. He only had one hand, but he was he was making a good show of it. Yeah. He wasn't getting caught too much. He was dancing around. He looked tired, and he looked like, you know, all right, I need to back off. I can't go at that pace. But he didn't look like, say, fucking Tommy Hines, fucking <laughs> Sugar Ray Lenny. He didn't look like, holy shit, I can barely stand. Let me ask you um, this. Do you think, um, so he, gave, he retired himself in round 10. If he just stayed in his feet, Oh, easily won it. I, yeah, I, right. I mean, not easily, but I think definitely. I mean, you should have. He should have given it a go. He won the first seven rounds. Yeah, 
he didn't look like um, Ricky wasn't troubling him to that point where I thought oh, he's going to get knocked, yeah. knocked out or whatever. It was definitely worth a punt to just stay in there. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> his hand was in a real bad way. As re- this is. I just bring up, this yeah. is often a, a thing like Victor Ortiz got absolutely brutalised, and he is, and we, we like a little joke about it, about him giving in a bit too easily. Yeah. But, you know, I think boxers get a hard time because you get that mentality of fighters when they reach the top. They will go through unbelievable pain and mm-hmm. just walk through because that is what you do as a boxer, don't yeah. you? you? You're in there. And people fight on with broken hands all the time and they win fights. And or people, if you're Arthur Abraham, you'll fight nine rounds yeah, with a broken, broken jaw. jaw. And there's all sorts of things boxers will go through. You'll, people fight on being blind. I mean, we're going to get into this fight later on. Dennis Lebedev oh, yeah. against Jones. Holy shit, what a fight that is. But you see what a, what a man will go through. So sometimes when a boxer taps out or gives in, retires early, as a viewer, it's it's a bit of a it's a out one... in the blue. So it's easy to throw criticism out there, but you've got to put yourself in their position and think... I mean, do you, you think it's like the one taboo in boxing? That's the one thing as a fight fan <clears throat> you don't want? Well, <sighs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Then again, I think Victor Ortiz has had some cracking ones where he's mm. given up. That one against... <laughs> uh, Yosicito uh, Lopez. Well, again, there's, there's times where, um, well, it's a good example, when Oscar De La Hoya was fighting the Floyd, and he, again, no, he's, sorry, I beg your pardon, when he was fighting Manny Pacquiao, and he essentially re- retired himself as well, coming into like yeah, round 9 or 10. He lost before he didn't step But that was ring. a fight that he was absolutely losing and was getting beaten up. This and was a fight just, where Gonzalez was. Yeah, yeah. If you stay yeah, your feet, right. mate, you're yeah. winning that fight. So. I mean, maybe he knew something we didn't, you know, you, you, you're never Possibly. in that position, but I think it. For me, that was the biggest difference in the fight. Was you got Ricky Burns showed, you know, he was outboxed. Mm-hmm. There's no other way of saying it. But he showed those fundamental key factors that will make a great world champion. Yeah. Someone who's willing to go that far. Even and some of the shots he was taking, you know, there were points in that fight he was hurt, but his legs were there the whole time. Mm. He never looked like he was going down. He taking massive shots and and things, and he just stuck in there. I do think that Gonzalez clearly has never punched a Scotsman before. <laughs> <laughs> because, because that man, he did not know what he was getting into. I'll put it this way, that uh, Burns had been, he'd been out of the ring for like eight months. So um, to come back in and, again, have that kind of will to win desire to knock you off that title was amazing. I heard afterwards, his trainer Billy Nelson was saying, listen, we got to keep this guy busy. It's because eight months out, and frankly, he was losing that fight. So I think he, Ricky Burns is a better boxer than that <clears> fight showed. It showed it, like, his heart and determination yeah. to um much better. <laughs> the one thing I would say something else. I was going to bet a hundred pounds on Ricky Burns to win that. So yeah. um, I go into I, I go into before I place the bet. I'm going to boxing news and just have a just let me have a check again. Gonzalez, as a recommendation, if you're going to gamble on something, never go to the internet if you're trying to find reasons not to gamble. Because I read about 20 stories in a row, all of which were saying Gonzalez was the world's greatest boxer. And he was going to take Ricky Burns' head off. So my £100 went down to £50. But oh, 11, so you, you did bet £50. Yeah, I won £11 uh, profit. Well, fair enough. <laughs> Better you're, than you're lucky, yeah. Very I'm... lucky after watching it. But, uh, <clears throat> right, should we move on to the next one? Um, yeah, I'll just, just add a final thing that I think that is, you know, that is a great, that's a great experience for Burns. I think at this point in his career mm. to be to go through that he dug deep he got the result and it's you know it maybe it maybe highlights a few areas where he needs to improve mm-hmm. or um, things he needs to do 
So and and he would have found something out about himself, you know. Yeah, well, I think so. I mean, in fr- you got to think a lot of people. You put he was a strong favorite going into the fight in front mm-hmm. of his home fans, everything, and then to be dominated like that for seven rounds. A lot of boxers would have just given up. Yeah, I mean, I even so. world champions, they would have just mentally, not literally given up, but they would have meant, like, in the sense, like, you see what Robert, um, Robert uh, Guerrero did against mm-hmm. Mayweather. That kind of, that happens a lot. Boxers just, when they're losing down, they don't have, they, they're not able to have that belief and still think, yeah. no, do you know what? I'm standing, I've still got a chance. And Ricky showed he's got that, like all good Scotsmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me go on to um, the next one because this was uh, I thought one of the most exciting fights. Ah, uh, yeah. Of um, it was in the bantamweight division, so uh, England's own Jamie McDonald versus yeah in his home against his home home crowd. Exactly in front of his uh, home crowd. So Jamie McDonald fighting uh, Julio Cejar, good boxer a, for the vacant IBF title, which uh, McDonald won as a twelve round decision. And um, really, Close. if you haven't seen it. Pick it up on YouTube. Really, really good. The Doncaster crowd were so loud oh, yeah. at the beginning of that. And uh, I've got to say, the one thing, and this genuinely pisses me off, in the same way that for England supporters in the football, they play that, like the England bangers out there and plays like Rule Britannia oh. or that, the fucking theme tune from The Great Escape, both of which drive me mental. Yeah, all right, that Great Escape one is... They play hard. that constantly What I want to play is Vindaloo by Fat Leg. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, I heard this, that uh, Sage has been boxing since he was like 11 years old. And uh, so he was only 20 coming into this fight. It was amazing. And, um, but uh, McDonald afterwards said that this kid was just incredibly strong, especially for a 20-year-old. McDonald was the outsider coming into the fight, so Sage was oh, the yeah, uh, yeah, favourite. So um, teacher won on McDonald to win. But um, really, really impressive performance. Just a, like a really good boxing. The oh, fight yeah. was super exciting all the way through. I'd seen to remember the 11th round was a real key thing. Didn't they, they rocked each other as a proper... Like explosive end to the fight, I think, wasn't it? Pretty much all the way through. Like, rounds 10 to 11 were real close. That yeah. was when Sage just started coming back as McDonald dominated the... Um, just outboxed him, lateral movement, side to side, really good jab, yeah. getting in and out. Really, really impressive boxing skill. And then at round 12, was one where McDonald just went for it. <laughs> just yeah, just, just generally in. thought... He said this afterwards, like, for the fans, just I just want to give him like, something a bit exciting. <laughs> just, God, I always love that. I'm a boxer. massive when fan you of get, that. That's like the uh, Eric Morales when he fought Pacquiao in that final fight. And yeah. he's clearly winning. He fought 12 rounds. Fuck it, let's just go. <laughs> I'm just going in with one of the, the most devastating punches in their weight class. And I'm just going to go fucking toe-to-toe. Give them Mexican <laughs> something. Give them their money's worth. But, uh, again, McDonald's... So, for anyone who doesn't know too much about him, he looks fairly lanky, but like in really good uh, shape. Sejo, for his part, he's like a stockier, but like a really, really good left yeah. hook to the body. And uh, Sejo comes out as a pressure fighter, coming forward, hooks the body. And then McDonald's just using his feet, really, really mobile, using his height and reach advantage, and just outboxed him. It was close, but outboxed yeah. him over 12 rounds. But super, super exciting, I have to say. So, um, yeah, yeah, congratulations to Jamie McDonald. Yeah, great, great, great result. I'd probably say that was probably the the best, certainly from a from a British boxing point of view. That was the best result in some ways because oh, absolutely, it, yeah, because yeah. he was as you say an underdog and um, and it was great in front of his home home crowd. as a really, really should we go to? Um... I'm just going to quickly. I won't spend too long because I think we're 
We are. Yep. We've got a lot to discuss on this week's show, but just Vic Darchinian, um, his fight. Did you manage to catch it? I like the Javier Gallo was the guy who was uh, fighting. Yeah. And I uh, said so this was in the super super bantamweight division, not for any um, title, but they were fighting in Texas. And a Gallo, to my eye, it looks like a fat Roberto Duran. Because <laughs> yeah, it's know. funny you should say that because to my eye, he looks like the world's tallest dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If that's maybe a little bit, but he's like he's five foot three, which is pretty short, but, pretty, but short. pretty fucking tall for a dwarf. And I don't know how you can technically qualify this, but all I would say is that there's something he looks, he's got the features of a dwarf. But he's just, yeah, I don't, I'm, I mean, let's not spend too long on this. Have a look at it, and I mean, you, you'd see what I mean. If you agree, just I can't explain it. Yeah, I can't explain it, but he just but, uh, looks. But, but Victor I, completely outboxed him uh, just. Well, I don't know. It was, it was a good. It just looked like. Dutchinian had more power. Yeah, and absolutely. was a little bit tougher. Pretty which, much, which, and just all round. Which a better ties fight in, it. which ties in nicely to um, the next fight: Lamont Peterson versus Lucas Matisse. So this one, for anyone who doesn't know, is in the welterweight division, fighting in Atlantic City, and um, yeah, Lamont Peterson pretty much because that sounded to him. Yeah, round three KO from a hard punching Argentinian, and um, yeah, it wasn't particularly close. It wasn't even. <laughs> It, I, no, it wasn't. You know, and it, it it appeared quite quickly what was going to happen was that um, basically you've got similar styles in fighters. They both come forward. They both like exchanging inside fighting. You could see round one, Peterson realised, you know, I'm going to try staying on the outside, mm. moving about, keeping my distance. Yeah. Um, just wasn't really working because that's not his style. No. And there was a lot of talk before the fight about Matisse had just got more power than him. <laughs> Especially since he stopped taking his... <laughs> <laughs> i got to say, my favourite thing about the whole thing, so um, basically Matisse uh, caught him around two, and that wobbled Peterson, and then pretty much the fight was over after that. But about two minutes into the round, <laughs> Lucas Matisse threw a punch. Yeah, because... that was the third round. No, 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 he, sorry, he threw a punch so hard that he knocked himself over. Yeah, he yeah. just pivoted. He didn't, he just, that was at the start of the third round. He came out. I don't and know if he you just, saw this, but uh, he threw Brandon a left Hopkins hook. was in the crowd and you can see him. So he throws a big hook, just falls on, the momentum knocks him over and he falls on his ass. You can see Brandon Hopkins in the crowd, just turns around to the guy next to him and is like, his fucking clank. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I even know Bernard was there. I did not even know Bernard was there. Let oh, alone... So how did you manage to pick him up? I just know he was wearing like a fantastic light blue suit <laughs> which is in the crowd. It's been, yeah, it's lovely stuff. On a genuinely, probably... One of, if not my all-time favourite boxer. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, would have to say that Matisse, yeah, I mean, he comes on, he's strong. He's not exactly like the cleanest uh, puncher oh, in the world. Boy, he can hit, though. And, yeah, he doesn't have the best offence either. But um, I'm imagining like, his next one, he's called out um, Garcia at the yeah, end. Yeah, and I think it would do him. But the one thing, I was just going back to the fight, the one thing that, for me, summed it up was, it was, I think, the second knockdown he got on Peterson, which was, um, I can't remember which round it was, but... Um, basically, they both throw mm. big left hooks at exactly the same time. They mm. both connect, right? The difference is Peterson just sort of hits Mateus on the on the chin and he just sort of takes the shot. Yeah. And Peterson just falls <laughs> flat on his ass. KO, don't know where he is. And it kind of summed up the fight for me. Similar styles, both probably technically the sort of similar yeah. levels. Just Matisse has that extra power and he's just a little bit tougher. Yeah. And that that was the crucial thing. There was only ever going to be one 
outcome in a fight like that where they've both got similar styles, both going in. If one guy's got a bit more power and a bit tougher, mm-hmm. he's just going to knock the other guy out. Um, Let's move on to the next one because there's... Um, and talking about whether or not um, this one should have gone ahead at all, but uh, I was thinking of De- uh, Devin Alexander versus Lee Purdy. Okay. Right. So this was, uh, in again, in the welterweight division for um, Alexander's IBF title. And uh, this after Kel Brook, the massively overrated Kel Brook, oh, was man. dropped out of the yeah, fight. Yeah, but listen, you can't say it's overrated <laughs> because your argument with him is, who's he fought? But you could apply that same argument anyway, to, we... to Gonzalez when he fought Ricky Burns. Oh, no, we were talking about this kind of last week, so we weren't um, covering yeah, it. But uh, yeah. anyway, Lee Purdy came in as like a late replacement. And again, there was a, a massive, massive golfing class between the two. But uh, another, Lee another is, surprise guy stoppage. Slightly. Oh, did you see why that was stopped? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you? Darren Barker was um, in the corner for it's Lee Cornerback. Brody. So again, very close friend of him. I think I saw this fight. I saw this. Oh, fight. did you? We killed Lee Brody. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Didn't throw a punch throughout the entire fight. I not, did. Not, 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 not enough. Yeah. And, he, and the opponent was just, just hitting him with his right hand because his left hand was, mm. was was just wasn't working. Just yeah. wasn't, didn't have any power in it. He just I think he must have injured it in round two or something. And no, he I think it's a little bit later. I think he injured it later in the fight, but. Um, it was a lot more explosive than I thought the fight. I wasn't expecting like it was. There was a lot more exchange. Like I, mainly because Lee Purdy just put his hands up high, put the earmuffs on, high guard, mm-hmm. and he he absorbed a lot of punishment. I and think... Alexander was throwing a lot of punches, splitting the guard. But when when they did exchange, it was quite it was quite savage. There were points there yeah, where I they were so. going toe to toe, and I didn't expect it. And there wasn't really the need for Alexander to do that, but. What, what um, do you mean? I think, like, he showed at points he was staying on the outside, just, I mean... No, the, I'm, I'm not going to knock, knock Lee Purdy for it, but, yeah, Alexander was... Purdy just didn't show any movement. He didn't... And he just sort of stayed at this pace. He just slowly stayed at that comfortable pace for Alexander mm-hmm. to just get off on his jab and just, just hit him almost at will. Okay. And he was going to the body and throwing massive shots to the body. I mean, I'll put it this Purdy, way. I mean, definitely Alexander has absolutely won the... Um... He's in the top, top top guys in that division. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, he was stronger. He's quicker. He's got excellent combinations. Makes makes more noise when he throws punches. Real, <laughs> but he puts that sort of real. Do you know what I mean? Like that real torque of the body really yeah. gets like digs them in. But I I can't remember watching a fight where I heard. I think probably Ricky Hatton's the last time I've seen a fight a fight where he, the fighter makes that much noise every time he throws a punch. <laughs> I would say that uh, I think probably sorry. I think possibly what Em Purdy's corner is thinking was that they give him six rounds. And say, listen, mate, go out there and try your best. But that I don't yeah. suppose they really had that much. That was, that was Lee Purdy's first fight where he had his brother in the ring uh, as oh, ring side. That was his brother who was who was who was uh, uh, who was the trainer for that. And he just couldn't take him to have, have any. Yeah, I thought wasn't so it his friend? Him. No, it was no, his friend. It was his friend. friend. Just, yeah, didn't want him to take any more punishment. No, exactly. And in fairness, it was mm. it was the right decision. I'd say from a boxer's point yeah, of view, so. there was something I was slightly disappointed because there was a belief in me, and you know, I, I thought, well, hang on, Alexander's got one hand out. You never know. Maybe Purdy's coming. He's mm. taking all this punishment. Alexander was having to do a lot of work, and he did a lot of work over that, trying to get him out of there. He could tie himself out, like with the Ricky. It was almost like a copy of the Ricky Burns Gonzalez fight. I just mentioned that it's he was dominating one every round. Really, you you couldn't really make an argument for Purdy winning one round. No, absolutely but, not. There's that part of what is beautiful about boxing is all it takes is mm. is one shot. All it takes <laughs> is that one moment where you can lose all the rounds. The other guy turns himself out, and you just bang. You can score that one shot. So it was a real shame for Purdy from that point of view. But if I'm honest, you know, it's probably the right thing to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. and I think it, even if that is his friend, all right, 
maybe maybe he threw the towel in around earlier than some other trainers would. But you you have to feel that within another round, I'll put it this most way. trainers. I thought it was thought. interesting that um, after he so it was stopped in uh, round seven, and so Barker stops the fight. Pretty afterwards, he's like crying with frustration. Yeah, he yeah, wants to continue yeah. on. The difference in mindset between doing that and again taking it back to that Ricky Burns Gonzalez thing. Yeah, it's just bizarre. Like, I know. Yeah, two it's worlds apart. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, we'll go to the next comparison. one, which was probably like the best fight in the last um, fortnight. So this one was in the uh, cruiserweight division. For Dennis Lebedev, Lebedev, aka the White Swan, <laughs> which is one of my, which might be my new favourite boxing. He, I genuinely he couldn't didn't know that. It's literally if you see this guy any of his fights, you couldn't think of a less appropriate <laughs> boxing name. He should be called the fucking the. I don't know, the bulldozing <laughs> fucking destroyer or something. The white swan. The guy's a Russian lunatic. The bulldozing fucking destroyer. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But uh, anyway, so he's coming up against uh, Guillermo Jones for uh, Leopardens. Panama. Uh, WBA title. Uh, 41 years old. 41 Jones. years old. Did you know that? Cruiserweight division and fighting in Moscow. And for this one, Guillermo Jones, oh. he, to me, he's a cruiserweight, but... He's, he looks like a heavyweight, doesn't he? He's got enough fat on him. <laughs> <laughs> that guy started out off the welterweight division. Fuck I, off. I heard that and didn't believe it. Came back when his first fight was as a welterweight. It's wow. unreal. That is. I mean, you, you get massive jumps in weight classes when people start a, like, flyweight or whatever. Yeah. You can scale that. But from welterweight to get up to... That is... Heavy. And he's tall. And he must have been like a Tommy Hearns welterweight. Lanky and real skinny. He must have been. Cause I mean, guy, he's been on the pies. I don't know. I mean, I mean, Lebedev isn't exactly the tallest cruiserweight, but even no. still, like you look at him in the ring, it looked like Jones was almost like a heavyweight, and you had that feeling throughout the fight. But it was a proper like quality. I've, I've, we'll have to stick the link up there. I don't know. Should yeah. we? I'm almost tempted, just in case people haven't haven't seen it, to not give the outcome of the fight, just to like not mention it, because it's one of those okay. fights where where if you it watch it, and if you haven't seen it, go and watch it. We won't tell you the result because mm-hmm. oh, it's, it's just it's a proper it's it's not technically the most impressive fight you've ever seen but it's sort of good old fashioned dust up and there's a lovely contrast between the two fighters I mean Jones has that big reach height advantage throws powerful straight mm. shots and there's no real head movement Lebedev has got that sort of bobbing weaving almost like I wouldn't say like Joe Frazier style, but there's that element of like he's a oh, lot no, short, yeah. he's bobbing, weaving, coming inside, throwing massive shots, not afraid of taking a couple of shots in mm-hmm. order to land one of his. Um, it's just it's a great, great fight. And, and um, uh, I mean, one of the reasons it was so close and so exciting, but uh, Lebedev got a horrible cut over his right eye. Oh, round one, and it got and then progressively his eye worse. Blows up until the point that he can't see. And then the, on the commentary, there was lots of talk about oh, whether or not this should be stopped or whether or not it would be damaging to his health, which probably it was. On the other hand, the guy's a champion and doesn't yeah. want to give up his title. And then it just turned into like an oh. all-out on a war of attrition. Like one of the, yeah. Maybe it goes to a bit to show how tough Jones is. I was looking back through his uh, record. So his record is like 39 wins and uh, just three losses with a couple of draws. But um, some of the guys he's fought, Kevin Concrete Davis. Oh, that's, that's the name, isn't it? <laughs> this, this, one, this is my favourite one. Wayne Big Truck Braithwaite. <laughs> and what was the concrete one? Kevin Concrete Davis. Kelvin. Kelvin. I'll Kelvin Concrete Kelvin. Davis. But uh, the one thing, do you know what was my favourite point of that fight well, even as amazing as it was there's this moment late on in the fight and they both they're, they're slugging it out and they both fall to the floor mm-hmm. right 
and I oh, swear yeah. to God, it takes one of them. I'm not <laughs> even kidding. Thirty it's seconds. Jones. It's a slip. Yeah, he's spoiling. It is Jones. It's a 41-year-old fat Jones <laughs> who's on the floor for, I'm not kidding, 30 seconds. I mean, w- w- there should be some rule about that. He's, he gets to his knees and he's just, he just <laughs> he stays there. He takes 10 seconds to get on his hands and knees like a dog and he's just him gasping. He's just gasping for air. And Lebedev is like standing in the other corner. He's got up and he's like looking at the referee. But seriously, I mean, if a guy can't stand up, is there not a rule that the guy's technically knocked out? I know I didn't land a punch to cause it, but and he just sits there and he just thinks, oh, I can't get up. <laughs> this is not happening. 30 seconds, he finally gets to his feet with about two seconds and a round left and the bell rings and you just look at this look on his face and just like, oh, I've never been so happy to hear anything in my life. The weird thing is, he looks all right after that. Once he's on his feet, yeah, I mean, he looks tired as fuck for the latter rounds, which is... Which is but it generally didn't look like he, it looked like he'd be pushed over. I don't know if it looked oh, like he'd yeah. be knocked I mean, over. But um, yeah, anyway, right, we're in the end of it. Just don't let no, it go. But it's, um, it's, we'll, we'll stick we'll stick a link up. I'll do that yeah. on our on it, and we'll give out the um, details how to get in contact. In which case, um, group, but um, anyway, I reckon that'll round it up for our review since yeah. our show is <laughs> badly overrun. Yeah, we're you, going you, deep today. Well, you say overrunning. Maybe the people don't for a treat. They get extra extra content. Fucking bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> get to waste even more time um, yeah okay that wraps it up for the reviews uh, moving ding, ding. on alright so we've reached that point in the show where it's time for Pete Portugal's two minute rant alright what do you want to talk about Pete hello hello well uh, this week I wanted to talk about uh, Jimmy Bullard actually ah oh, lovely Jimmy we love Bullard. a bit of football on this show as well yeah just a little uh, little, uh, little snippet but I went up to interview him about 10 days ago that's why I've been uh, why oh, really? I've been up north nice. for a couple of weeks hell. can I just stop just for because we do have a few American listeners think, if you don't know Jimmy Bullard um, he's uh, he's an English footballer a real character he's uh, Dansworth he's, yeah Dansworth Jack the Lad quite a character but uh He's basically been, uh, as he turned pro around about three weeks ago, he got his uh, professional tour card to go and play golf. Nice. And, oh, really? Uh, he's turned, he's turned pro, pro yeah, golfer? Yeah, and he's, uh, he's joined the Euro Pro Tour. Right. And, uh, he's he's and maybe the new Bubba Watson. He's <laughs> the <laughs> English Bubba Watson. And he's, um, yes, he turned pro and had his first, uh, his first event, and I interviewed him in the morning before, uh, before his first event and just asked him a few questions. And he's a really nice down-to-earth guy. Yeah. I talked to him about, you know, why did you cross over to, to, to play golf? And he was saying, you know, it's... It's just a talent I've got. I figured I'll see as far as as far as I can go with it. Good stuff. So I thought, fair enough, you know, you know. And I, all the while, I've had this just disposition of not liking sportsmen to try other sports. It's like you've got you're good at one sport, stick, stick to with that, it. and that's it. Don't try like, it. Don't like, try any other sport. What happens? Like Julian Dix when he got injured and turned into a pro golfer. He didn't turn pro though. He was never good enough to do it. He turned. He played amateur for years. He played oh, really, really? well. Oh. He tried to get into the Walker he, Cup. Funny enough, he should have gone into like boxing. But this is it. This he is, loves um, stamping on people's heads. Pete, three John Spencer. Michael Jordan baseball. <laughs> I'm going to come to that in a second. And uh, so I had, I had a chat with him. He's you know, a really nice guy. And uh, I, was, you know, I, was, I was rooting for him. I thought, you know, if, if, I'll change my views if he can go out there and do it. Yeah. So, yeah, but he went out and he shot 78, 8 over par. And uh, Can rubbish. I just quickly you ask you, par, who's, 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 yeah. your favorite, um, who's your favourite Portuguese uh, sportsman? Favorite Portuguese sportsman of all time, uh, Pedro Lamy, the uh, the uh, F1 driver from the, the late nineties who uh, <laughs> drove, not... for, uh, drove for Minardi for two seasons. Did not see that coming. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> I was thinking maybe Luis Figo or. So I did uh, did a bit of research into uh, other okay. athletes, sort of yeah. kind of switch sports and see how they did. Just see if there's any 
any decent sportsman had bugged out. Yeah. Now you you cracked on with uh, Michael Jordan, MJ, and, and that kind of kind of switch over from the Bulls to the White Sox, but really didn't do anything for me. Was in, he's only yeah, there for about half shit. a season. I think Gary's was being ironic. <laughs> yeah. Look, wasn't in it. Can no, you name no. any others you think have done a good, good, uh, good change uh, over? He maybe should have given me a bit of notice. I would have I would have looked into it. I've got it. some. I've got All right, some mate, honest. All right, mate, honest. So some of the good ones. That Apparently, Steve McManaman, the ex-Liverpool uh, and Real Madrid legend, he Did he you know tried to break Manaman's into professional out. crown green bowling. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. Was he any good? Did you go and watch him? No, he wasn't very good. No, I wouldn't imagine he did. He's but too I, busy I, I, have, his air I don't the know if you've ever tried crown. Up there. <laughs> 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 there we go. That's a proper Scouse accent there from <laughs> Pete Portugal. I'll crack on with a few of the, yeah. other, the ones I Challenge uh, listeners I'll go to... for the good ones first. I'll go for the good ones. <laughs> so, Sonny Bill. Sonny Bill Williams has switched over to boxing oh, in the last yeah. kind of two years. <laughs> he's undefeated in about seven or eight fights. Oh, right, let me New, interrupt. New Zealand. I'm not sure he's really reached the top echelon of well, the I, boxing I can interrupt. Right? He's undefeated. He's on his way up. So this is. A, this is my let me interrupt for one second. Francis Boa. He did, and he I lost. He won. He won. Hang on. He won one of the worst decisions. That's been no, a boxer in the last like ten really? years. Really? W is a W in my book. <laughs> if you're getting beaten by a forty, what forty-four year old? Right. He must be forty. You've never. If, if for anyone who hasn't seen this, go online and watch it. You'll see Sonny Bill Williams looks like a superhuman. He's one of the most athletically... He's real handsome. He's about 6'4", just a muscle-bound... Like, like Fred Franz Botha is a fat man who's <laughs> good at boxing. Fat South African. Botha just t- absolutely takes him apart. He's an ex-farmer, After about three rounds, it's um, Sonny Bill Williams is completely knackered. And you have the fat guy in the corner just coming up going, listen, mate, <laughs> bring it on. I'm going to knock you out. <laughs> yeah, so that's a... Terrible uh, example. But he's still undefeated. He got through the fight, you know. He pulled, uh, he pulled it out of the bag in the end. So he's, he's in my good section. There's not a lot of in my good <laughs> section. You'll see how this goes. Then you've got next one is uh, Adam Polyoke. Oh, yeah, Adam Polyoke. Sorry, sorry, in England cricketer yes. who uh, yeah. had a brief stint trying to get into boxing. Yeah. Um, and uh, since moved into mixed martial arts. Yeah, yeah, right, he's right. a mixed martial artist. Because he yeah. he's Adam not a big Hollywood. guy. He's not a big guy. He was a bit chubby yeah, when, he was, uh, when he was a cricketer. Yeah. Oh. Viv Richards. Oh, fuck off. What did Viv he Richards, West Indies. Oh, of course, you know, yeah. And uh, played in the Antigua national football team as well. Really? Yeah, were, really? In a few World Cup qualifiers in 1974. Last interesting one, uh, Alex Zanardi. Remember that name? Is he a racer? F1 Formula 1 yeah. driver in the, in, uh, in the early 90s. Yeah. He had a, an accident in a car and had to amputate both his legs. Oh, wow. Uh, went on to become a double gold Paralympian uh, in hand biking at the Olympics. Oh, wow. That, that is impressive. Um, last one of all is uh, Tim Howard, the uh, Everton and uh, United States goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, he's still playing football. He's Did still he playing before. No, he, yeah, he's also uh, he apparently is an honorary Harlem Globetrotter because he's oh, had basketball. So he never <laughs> played basketball. He's not he's even played that a big. couple of yeah. He's played a couple of uh, games, like, exhibition games over there for the Harlem Globetrotters. Now he, if there's something you want to no do, no way in hell he got in a Harlem Globetrotters. The Trotters, <laughs> Trotters, mate. But, well. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was a <laughs> mispronunciation from somebody. Maybe there's another team called the Troppers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he did. So, um, uh, yeah, all in all, my... Yeah, that's fantastic. Stick to your sport. Don't go and change un, uh, unless you... There you go. In the words of that famous song, don't go changing. Okay, uh, so we're going to go into the previews and we're going to try and keep this a bit brief because we've overrun a bit. So there's maybe a few fights out there yeah. which we don't have a chance to, to look at. But hopefully next week's episode we'll, uh, we'll be able to yeah. 
to mention them. So um, in the next uh, couple of in the next fortnight, we'll talk about the biggest one first, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. But the next fortnight, there's uh, three fights. They're all on the same night because they're all on the same card. So it's on the the big fight. So this is Saturday, the twenty fifth of May. So twelve round super middleweight division. Carl Froch versus Mikael Kessler, the rematch. All right. Much- for- Frotch's IBF title fighting in London at the O2 Arena which let me just go on a slight rant here for a second I couldn't get tickets for because on the night that the t- t- uh, tickets came out I was at the Super Bowl we were at the Super Bowl watching it up in um, Clapham anyway the next morning the oh, tickets yeah, go on we sale yeah. they've all sold out and the ticket tags have gone on and taken the tickets and they're trying to sell them at five times their face value so if you're a ticket tag out there you should rot go the fuck death. yourself you should rot in the death yeah. of hell I would genuinely be going to that fight if I could convince any of my friends to spend the £350 yeah. it costs to get a ticket now I'm not I said I was well up for it but I, I can't I'm not going to spend for it instead we've uh, we've reserved some seats in a, pl- a, a nice little pub yeah. down in London Bridge and I we're going to absolute tell Champions League final yes please <laughs> going to watch that an all German final going to be a classic going to spend um, £350 on Jaeger Bombs. Oh yeah, <laughs> mate. We'll be drinking them every step of the way with you, Carl. Mate, don't worry about that. So, um, yeah, shall I? <laughs> Let me just, just mention something. Carl Froch, who I'm a big fan of, and again, I mentioned before, he's got like the worst public relations. Oh, he was again. Yeah. I read this in the papers two days ago on the Telegraph. He did an interview, and he found out that George Groves and Nathan Cleverly had gone off, and they were training with Kessler, as just doing a yeah. sparring. So Froch comes out and says, "It's an absolute disgrace." What they are, the bear from were just bitter and twisted to my success. Blah, blah. <laughs> what is wrong yeah. with you? Because he, our friend he's is bad. Our friend is he always about, slags off Amir Khan. He's over the history. He slags off loads of British fighters, which I generally from. I'm a, like a massive fan. Read his autobiography. And <laughs> watch loads of <laughs> rich. Loves a bit of DIY. I it <laughs> still wouldn't be the finest read I've ever had. I'll be honest with you. But um, right, one of the funniest things about him. But this is fantastic. After you'd imagine as being like a world championship boxer, you earn millions of pounds and blah blah blah. Yeah. That isn't the case. It isn't the case with. Uh, Carl Froch especially so earning decent money but not like the multi-millions you might expect and um, after literally after about five chapters in his books they all cover like individual and title fights and after each and every one he said the exact same thing I came home I go to one of my houses that he's bought in Nottingham which he does up and rents out to people every single fight afterwards the next day the next day DIY <laughs> doing the grouting putting like the linoleum on the floor doing it. I can say <laughs> those rented houses in London do sound a bit a bit shit I gotta say outside of that because he's doing it's his like, own DIY he's never had any building experience from reading his autobiography because he's been a boxer for the last does he, does he know Handy Andy from <laughs> that could be the greatest show of all time <laughs> round this off me who do you think is going to win Carl Froch I think yes. Carl Froch I do I think I think since the last fight the first fight was so close proper war like, yeah Kessler like, took it though well, yeah, he got the decision, and I know a lot of people say that Carl Froch won it, and but to me, I don't know, I seem to remember when I watched it, just like, it's very tough to separate them. I mean, I'd say both of them have been in some real tough contests. Both think... amazing warriors. They both they both kind of, like, bring those core features that you, you kind of love and admire in boxers of just <laughs> willing to just take, just will go through anything and just will take shots and throw big ones. And they both have so much respect for each other. Mm. Um but I feel like <laughs> Carl Froch. One of my favourite things is Carl Froch's mum asked about Kessler and just says, oh. "Yeah, he's just like the nicest yeah. guy." Yeah, she apparently she loves him more than Carl Froch loves DIY. <laughs> <laughs> which is, that's a big. Which is, which is a lot. Like, and I've heard that I've heard. Don't they have like conversations on the phone quite often? 
like yeah, Carl Frotch's mum and Mikael Kessler. Which is amazing. <laughs> it's brilliant. But, um, bookies, bookies have uh, Carl Frotch as quite a strong favourite at the moment. Now. Yeah, once yeah, you are. I just which... feel that I feel Carl Frotch, he's home crowd and Frotch has grown and he's improved since their last fight. Whereas I'm not sure Kessler uh... has, but I don't see either one of them stopping the other person. They're just too tough, yeah. they're too strong. And when it comes down to like that, I just feel Carl Frotch, home crowd, he's grinding f- as a fight. He feels like he's really got that hunger. He feels like out of the two of them, he wants to put that stamp on his legacy, blah, blah, blah. I, think I, feel, I, feel, I feel it means more to Carl than it does to Kessler. And I feel that that's going to be the, it might be. the, I the mean, crucial factor. In the last one, Kessler was a boxing for, not massively, but... Yeah. I boxed him for a part of it, so whether or not I think I agree with you that uh, Carl's become a better fighter over the last two or three years. Yeah, Frotch was just too slow in the, in the early rounds in the other fight, and he was always playing catch. Yeah, I think he's he, yeah. well this time. And I think he'll he'll go. With. My, <laughs> my bet is uh, my bet for that is uh, five to four for uh, for it to go to distance and points win for uh, for Frotch. Is it five to four? Lock in, mate. I'm I was going to lock in. Two hundred quid on Frotch just to win it eight, right? One to two. I'd go uh, hundred pound profit. Or if you want to see... bet, I'd say <clears throat> round eleven for a uh, Frotch knockout when Kessler's trying to chase it. I don't know, I do find it hard to see, but then again, I've, there's stranger things have happened in boxing, mm-hmm. and Carl Frotch does know how to bang. <laughs> and again, yeah, uh, there, I can, uh, I really do think there's going to be one, one of the fights in yeah. here. We'll go on to uh, the one on the um, undercard. Right. So um, again, on the same night, it's going to be uh, light heavyweight division, uh, Tony Ballou versus Isaac yeah. Chalimba. Did you see their first rematch? fight? Yeah. Well, for me, actually, I think that uh, Chalemba won that first fight. I know there was a lot of people said, oh, Tony should have won it, he was robbed, but it was it was tight, but I felt Chalemba's defence was better and you could just see how much how many problems it was causing Tony and he didn't really land anything that troubled him. Um, and I've got a feeling, second time round, I don't see that much changing. I think he's going to have another tough time. You think he's going to lose? Think, I just think he struggled in that fight and for me, I... I've got a, I've got a feeling that yeah I've got a feeling he's going to lose. Where is it? Do you know where it's being fought? It's a yeah, it's an undercard. These oh, are okay, the so it's all it's all oh, yep. okay. It is. Yeah, maybe maybe Bell you'll get a decision because it's the home thing and and there was a lot of controversy after the last fight. The one thing I didn't like what Bell you did after the fight. He came up in the fight afterwards and said to Chilomi said even your manager, even your boxing trainer who I respect came up to me and said you won that fight and I just thought. There's no need to say that after a fight, especially mm. when... Yeah, anyway... Anyway, the um, um, last one on the same night is um, George Grove, so super middleweight division, against Noe Alcoba. Yeah, another great British British fighter, one of the big... So uh, George Grove, so he's still up. unbeaten, so 18 wins, 14 KOs. And, um, yeah, I guess maybe, this... Maybe he hasn't had, he hasn't had that top... He's waiting for that breakthrough of a top level of opponents to come through. I, <laughs> I, didn't, I don't know that much about Alcoba. I don't know. His record is 32 fights, 30 wins, 32 uh, KOs. He's, um, Hang on, wait, that can't be right. He just said 30 wins and 32 KOs. Oh, sorry, sorry, beg your pardon. 22 KOs. Right. His uh, nickname, the Cold Miner. <laughs> That's another great. That's another cracker. Uh, he's Uruguayan and... Uh, I was just looking over his record. There's not too many um, massive names. There's Adonis Stevenson for uh, he won in the um, 
WBC super yeah. middleweight title or whatever version of the super middleweight title they give out. But um, yeah, well, well, I think we can assume George is gonna probably win that one, get the job done. Um, I think that would be a good fight to watch, and it'll be good to see how he's progressing. And it's one to wrap up. They're pretty much like the big three fights coming up over the last yeah. for the next couple of weeks. So make sure you catch them, and um, yeah, that wraps it up for this week's uh, previews. Okay, so now we're going to go into Didn't Used to Be a Boxer, but just before we do that, I'm just going to quickly, on the previous show, we we've um, we mentioned about Oscar De La Hoya's women's underwear photos. We did. And I know Pete Portugal hasn't seen these, so just while he's on the show, because I happened to look at these just a few days ago, and I, I honestly, I forgot just how funny they are. <laughs> I mean, you remember, yeah, they're really funny, but when you look at them, you're like, holy <laughs> shit, that guy must have done a lot of gear. So, um... Pete, are you ready for this? I'm just going to come across and start showing you some of these pictures. I'm going to... This is YouTube. <laughs> I mean, that's one. That's a particularly good one, that one, where he's wearing, um, like... What was he on to get through this? I kind think of just thing? a load of coke Love with um, with his... Uh, was it... You claim it's a Mexican prostitute. <laughs> I mean, these... Oh, look at that one. <laughs> uh, I'd say for the listeners at home... If you're looking at the one where he's bent over with high heels on, a wig... And, and he's a... leaning against a wall like he's being either searched by a policeman or just getting done right up the wrong end. <laughs> In a one-piece body stocking... Just oh, it's ugly. He's quite... an interesting man. I mean, he's... I'm sure he's had some wild nights at the time, but I this mean, is cream I mean, of the crop. This is, this is what happens for those fighters out there who can't reach... When they retire and they can't reach that same... Buzz. Buzz of the boxing. I'm sure there's a good one with a bath involved somewhere. <laughs> Hang on. He does like the one leaning leave. on the wall. There it is. Oh. Look at that. Hang on, wait for this. Let's zoom in on that expression. <laughs> oh, he knows he's doing wrong there. Legs, legs akimbo Just on a bath with a real smile on his face. And a pair of women's underwear, which is always nice. Oh, yeah. And that all-in-one bodysuit. <laughs> the weird thing is, in all those photos, he must change the underwear a good three or four times. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> the man is doing crazy things. Anyway, okay, Garrett, yeah, this, is, right. this is Mr. Mokler's Big time. Uh, going from what can only be described as an absolute disgrace <laughs> to uh, one of the finest human beings that's ever lived. So um, this this segment we call uh, Didn't He Used To Be A Boxer? <laughs> Sorry, I'm still looking at the audience photos. <laughs> that is unreal. And uh, this week, last week I talked about um, Tommy Morrison, who was a Rocky oh, Five yeah. fame. Tommy the Duke, or as we said, should have been called the machine his, gun. his stage name, the machine gun. But uh, this week I'm going to talk about... Um, He's dead now, but um, there's a boxer, American uh, boxer Hillary, called uh, Barney Ross, who um, he was born in 1909 and died in 1967. American professional boxer, and he was a three-weight world champion, and then became a decorated veteran in World War II. This man is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the most interesting lives anyone has ever led. So, um, born in New York, his uh, father was a, a scholar, or a Jewish scholar. Okay. Really orthodox uh, kind of upbringing. His father was, uh, they lived in New York. His father was shot when uh, Ross was six, was, sorry, was uh, 16 years old. And that just set the whole family off the rails. His mother became um, depressed. Three of his siblings were taken into care. And that Ross just became like a street tough. Street tough enough where <laughs> there's stories that they claim he was part of Al Capone, like worked for Al Capone during the okay. kind of early days. If anyone knows who Jack Ruby is, so the guy who shot. I don't know. Okay. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> Guy and Betty Curry. Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm doing? No idea. He shot Lee Harvey Oswald. I thought, I thought my first two guests in my I didn't know that. I didn't know Jack that. Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald. He was a friend of uh, Ross when they were like uh, 16 years old in the same gang. So if he's hanging out with him, he must be pretty street tough. And uh, anyway, then he'd come time to be a boxer, had like an amazing um, career in like the lightweight uh, divisions. Then um, his final fight, so he had a record of like 81 uh, fights and like a couple of losses, fought some of like the toughest guys at the time, Jimmy McLaren and Tony Casaneri, who's a name I can't really pronounce. But anyway, he then, at the end of his career, he came up against uh, Henry Armstrong. Henry Armstrong. One of the great lightweights ever, probably. One of the greatest yeah. fighters of all time, like pound for pound, just absolute Incredible. legend. And um, I've watched that fight and it was pretty much Ross getting beaten up for the best part of 15 rounds. Not a surprise. But uh, nonetheless, it's... Even though like his boxing career is absolutely incredible, but it's at what he did after boxing that um has caught your attention. Yeah. So uh where did he grow up to? So um so I'm just looking through my notes. So this is uh, back in the nineteen thirties and uh, when he's like at his the height of his fame and he's considered like an absolute Jewish hero. He's like holding up the flag. He was a massive advocate for uh, Jewish uh, Jewish statehood. And was seen as like an absolute kind of champion. So World War II breaks out. And then he decided he's finished with his uh, boxing career. And then decides, I'm going to fight. I'm going off. I'm going to fight these fascist uh, dictators who are persecuting the Jews in Europe. So um, he joins the uh, US Marine Corps. Before he gets sent off to war, he punches out some non-commissioned officer. Decks him. Was going to get court-martialed and thrown out of the army. But one of the guys in the jury was a massive fan. Knew he was... <laughs> Knew he was like a three-week world That's champion. That's the kind of justice I like to hear. And just said, listen, we can't kick this guy out. We'll send him off to battle. This guy's an absolute... He never quits. He's an absolute hero. They sent him off to Guadalcanal, which, if you know anything about your um, World War Two history, was in the South Pacific and some of the vi- most vis- vicious fighting throughout the Japanese, whole of the war yeah. against the Japanese. Yeah. It was like a strategic island down in the uh, South Pacific. Ross gets sent over there. And uh, this is... <laughs> This is uh, how he won a medal during his um, career there. And this is what he did. And there's like a quote from... I'll read this off on Wikipedia, but uh, I'll give you like a couple other quotes later on. Anyway, so um, he was sent to Guadalcanal in the South Pacific. One night, he and three other comrades were trapped under enemy fire. All four were wounded. Ross was the only one able to fight. Ross gathered his comrades' rifles and grenades and single-handedly fought off nearly two dozen Japanese soldiers over the course of a night, killing all of them. 22 confirmed kills by morning. He wakes up the next day. There's two Marines in his company have died. There's one left who's still alive. The guy's still uh, alive, weighs about 200 kilograms. Ross, at his height, weighed about like 130. Picked the guy up on his shoulders and walked him back to safety and eventually got picked up. And Sounds like someone from Forrest Gump, mate. Sounds <laughs> like a genuine superhero. He was given this... Again, look at... 200 kilograms is about 30 stone, though. That's quite a lot of... 200 kilograms. I beg your pardon. Not th- no, no, that's ridiculous. About no, you're absolutely right. 200 pounds. 200, 200 pounds. kilograms of pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You go to a 30 stone like, man anywhere. Let me just apologise <laughs> <Let me just apologize laughs> to the Ross family for fucking up. I can only describe one of the greatest war stories of all time. Let me read you this. This is a copy from the New York Times from 1943. So he comes back home. And this is how it starts off. <laughs> the headline of this is Ross tells about his toughest round, and he explained the details. This is how the article starts off. Aided by a native-made cane adorned with real Japanese teeth, boxing's man of the year, Corporal <sighs> Barney Ross, kneeled humbly and kissed American soil. 
on the day he came back home for a real fight. Japanese like, no. a real Japanese tea. That's a quote from the New York Times from 1943. <clears throat> so anyway, so he um, fights this after he uh, comes finishes fighting in uh, Guadalcanal. He's injured, uh, but anyway, they send him out on some like exhibition boxing tours. So he comes up against this huge South Island champion, and uh, they had a fight fighting in Samoa. Is a quote from he, Ross. Hang on, who is the chat? Was he Samoan? Yeah, Samoan fighting champion. And what, what weight were they fighting at? Like, on, this is the quote from Ross. Uh, well, it sort of it was sort of forced on me. Ross explained this bruiser weighed two hundred and fifty pounds and was one tough, mean, hard cookie. He wanted to fight bare fist, and that was all right with me. <laughs> 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 but Lieutenant Murdoch wouldn't permit it, so he put on some sixty nine gloves Murdoch and had it again. And He's had always a... killing the vibe, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Murdoch had a three round tussle. Next part of the quote. It was murderous. Make no mistake about that. We fought under the Marcus of Queensbury rules. <laughs> but this baby didn't mess around. And I was sort of out of practice. <laughs> Nevertheless, science did the trick and he went to sleep on the deck. <laughs> science did the trick. Anyway, I mean, the guy's life is just like unreal. He comes back home after um, fighting in the war. Because of his injuries that he sustained in that uh, incident with him saving the lives of the other two Marines. He was, uh, his wounds, while he's in hospital, gets addicted to morphine. Comes as, back as you do. As you do. Comes back out, becomes a full blown heroin addict. Essentially, kind of supports himself by doing juggling, shady kind of <laughs> maybe slight mafia kind of business. All right. And then um, eventually, like, it, it kicks the habit. And like later on in his life, he died when he was fifty-seven, so he died really young. That's a good innings. But um, later then. on in his life, then became like an advocate for anti-drugs advocate, basically saying, "Listen, these drugs out there are just unreal." Anyway, so again, I th- one. Of the lives of one of the like, one of the most interesting lives of any human being that's lived in the twentieth century, he's just incredible. He's an absolute like a real life superhero. He's, he would have become like a Talmudic scholar earlier in his life if his father hadn't died, but instead he went to Boston and became like a street yeah, top. Yeah. Just like his whole career is absolutely um, fantastic. Quite why this guy isn't on postage stamps now. The last that's, reference I could find him recently is in the, in the Expendables two. Sly Stallone plays a character, and Sly Stallone knows he's boxing, plays a character called Barney Ross, and that is his ode to okay. this absolute, yeah. Legends. Legendary. Yeah, really. yeah. The Americans have a big thing about putting people on stamps. Yeah, yeah. like sometimes, like Joe Lewis and, I don't know if I'm Sugar Ray Robinson, but um, like one of the interesting things about this guy, and we were talking about celebrity last week, how he compares his nature of celebrity and what he believes in his values. So, at the time, if you were fighting World War um, Two, and you're, sorry, if you're a pro-boxer, at the time of World War Two, so the likes of Sugar Ray Robinson and Joe Lewis. Essentially what they say to these boxers is, you can do more for the war effort if, rather than actually coming out and fighting, yeah. we'll pick you up and you do exhibitions, go around and boost the morale of the troops. Yeah. This guy turns back and went, no, I want to fight. I want to fight for the freedom. I, the persecution of the Jews is honestly as a, yeah. absolutely like horrific and uh, abhorrent. I'm not standing friendly that I'm going and fighting. Granted, you probably expecting to fight Germans rather than Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, outside of that, but um, got thrown a curveball there, didn't he? If you want to look up anything, the guy's got an autobiography of I think it's called like a we. Uh, Every man stands alone, and um, but yeah, pick him up, read about him. He's an absolute legend of the 20th century. Just See, one of the finest human beings I've ever heard of. I think Americans have done it right there. You know, uh, help the war efforts, send out the uh, you know heavyweight champion of the world. British Army, sitting at Kelly Brook. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'll raise him around, you know. Mate, Kelly Brook. We've already discussed her <laughs> on the show, she? she? seems to be getting regular mentions in here. But, um, um, anyway, that's it for, uh, didn't you want to be a, didn't you used to be a great, boxer? It's a, it's a great We'll one, find another man. kind of legend next week, but, uh, yeah, I'm saying love that guy. All right, there you have it. 
Okay, so that's the end of the show. That wraps things up for this week. Um, it just leaves us to hand out our contact details, which are www.facebook.com slash groups slash punch drunk boxing. Um, also, Twitter, we've got twitter.com slash punch drunk pod. Um, we're also now up on uh, iTunes, so if you want to get on there or, or mention it to your friends, we're under Punch Drunk Boxing, so uh, pass the word around there. Um, we'll try posting up some links to some of the fights, like the Lebedev one or other things we've discussed. We'll get some good links up there. Oh. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. All right, cheers. Take Ooh, care. Hang on, let and, me just uh, uh, say one thing before we wrap this up. Just I, try, it out to I try to end every show with this, but in the words of the poet philosopher DMX, to live is to suffer. To survive is to find meaning in that suffering. So, uh, yeah, see you next week. Or not. Peace. Right. Yeah, good job, dickhead. <laughs> 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 I can kill this show. <laughs>